Hey guys, this is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. Today we're going to keep going with this series about the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, we're getting pretty close to the end here. Uh, we've been talking about this end times wealth transfer, uh, and I just want to shift gears and look at some interesting parallels concerning this new apostolic reformation and also well part of this movement is the manifest sons of god now if you're not familiar with this uh they get this from romans chapter 8 verses 18 through 23 and i remember uh my my very hyper charismatic pastor from a church long ago and far away he made a huge deal about this passage one Sunday, left everybody in suspense. We had no idea what he was talking about, but he claimed that God gave him this verse. <clears throat> and he just kept repeating it over and over and told us to pray about it and think about it. And he's up there and he's groaning and he's, he's I mean, he's really working himself up into a froth and other people are kind of rocking back and forth in the church and screaming out amen and throwing their arms up and stuff like this, okay, I was completely clueless at the time. I was utterly lost. I'm thinking, what is he even talking about? But here's where they get this concept of the manifest sons of God. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'm starting a little bit early, so you guys get some context here. For the earnest expectation of the creature which waiteth for... Waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. All right. Now, the the hyper-charismatic, word of faith, uh, new apostolic reformation type crowds would like us and have us to believe that this manifest, these manifest sons of God is, is kind of this generation, this group of Holy Spirit-empowered Believers running around on earth as little gods and performing great signs and wonders, right? And pretty much bringing on the end of the world, bringing on judgment against uh, uh, the, the sinners of the world, and also the whole tie-in with all the money that they really want to have from the wicked, okay? Uh, but that's not what this verse is talking about. And I just want to bring this up really quick because this whole manifest sons of God thing, uh, it's built on a faulty foundation, what is being talked about in this passage is, well, okay, in the process of salvation, or, or perhaps redemption, uh, Paul talks about in the book of Romans how when we first trust in Christ, we are justified. In other words, um, our sins are covered. If we were to die at that moment, we would be saved. We'd be going to heaven, all right? We would be saved. Um, from that moment on begins the process of sanctification. And that's that process where, as we're reading God's Word, and the Holy Spirit is convicting us of our sins, we are being cleaned up before the Lord. Okay, He's cleaning our lives up. He's, he's making us more like Him. He's conforming our minds. He's conforming our actions to Him. Okay, And then there's that point at which we die, and we are glorified. Right? That moment of which we finally receive our new bodies and we are glorified. And that is what's being talked about here. This manifest, uh, the manifestation of the sons of God. And look, 
Uh, read on from verse 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Guys, this is Paul speaking. All right? If anybody is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, it would be Paul. Um, and he's not claiming to be a little God or one of the manifest sons of God, or, or, or any kind of grand, uh, great claim of himself, uh, of that nature. Going on, he says, Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for, check this out, the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Guys, this is awesome, but it is definitely not talking about some great spiritual group of people running around as little gods and conquering the earth. Uh, but I bring this up because, and, and I've kind of touched on this a little bit throughout this series. Let's face it, guys. This movement looks like, um, looks like pagan spirituality. It looks like uh, some of the things you find in, in pagan circles. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, you have things like uh, contemplative prayer, all right, which very much resembles uh, transcendental meditation, TM. Uh, I'll end up doing a series on that, God willing, someday. I, I want to get into those things. Uh, but entering the silence, you know, and, and having communication with what they believe are angels, and, of course, God himself. Of course, all these uh, communiques, these different situations where they communicate with these beings, um, they're never corrected about their false doctrine. They're never uh, realigned. They're never shown that this or that is in error. They're never shown that, oh, by the way, that guy, Billy, that you healed last week, he actually wasn't healed. And, in fact, he's dying of cancer in the hospital right now. You know, they never get corrected. But anyway, uh, as you, but anyway, uh, you have New Agers out there that look at this movement. And you know what they see, guys? They see uh, Christians following their New Age belief practices. I kid you not. I mean, I mentioned this earlier. Alice Bailey, she had something very similar to the Seven Mountain Mandate. And she got these directives from an ascended master, guys, an ascended master named the Tibetan, which is nothing, nothing more than a demon. All right. And he's ta she's talking about uh, these seven areas of influence, political, religious, educational, scientific, philosophical, psychological and e uh, economic. All right, very similar to the Seven Mountain Mandate. Oh, by the way, <laughs> I didn't mention this earlier when I was talking about the Seven Mountain Mandate, but doesn't it seem a little awkward and odd to you that they chose this imagery of uh, seven mountains? Does that ring a bell to any of you? You know, the seven mountains? Oh, 
Um, it does to me. It makes me think of the book of Revelation. Um, in, in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, verse 9, it says, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. You know, the woman that rides the beast. I, You know, it's just, <laughs> I don't want to go too far with that, but the imagery, why did they choose the seven mountains? Um, you almost wonder if they're trying to tip us off that they're really up to no good here. You, you know what I'm saying? And again, I don't want to run too far with that, but I thought I'd bring it up. It's one of those things that every time I hear the seven mountain mandate, I always think of what? seven mountains. Why did they say that? Why did they call it that? They called it, they could have called it seven anything other than seven mountains. Why did they pick seven mountains? Because to a Bible believing Christian who knows their Bible, they're going to think seven mountains. Well, that's weird. What are they talking about? You know what I'm saying? But here we have this movement that uses uh, phrases that sound a little suspicious uh, when you listen to them. Uh, they have practices that are straight out of New Age guidebooks. And again, you know, the, the believers that are part of this movement are going to say, well, Satan counterfeited these things of God. All right. They they failed to mention the fact that these things that supposedly Satan counterfeited are not found in the Bible. One and two, you seem to find them first mentioned in pagan writings. <laughs> OK, uh, kind of harken back to the law of first mention. I know that applies only to the Bible, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting to note that these practices, you find them first in pagan circles, and then suddenly God is redeeming them, and Satan is counterfeiting them. Uh, what about this one, walking a labyrinth? I have a whole series on that. Again, pagan practices that somehow get pulled into these movements, and uh, Jesus, like a sticker, is slapped onto this practice, and suddenly it's redeemed, and hey, let's do this now because it's of God. You know, Satan counterfeited it, and this is actually of God. But guys, this is, in many ways, it is pagan spirituality that has a Christian label on it. And even the, the New Agers, the pagans out there, see it for what it is. And they even talk about their practices in ways that sound exactly like what you see in these Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation circles. For example, Barbara Marks Hubbard. Listen to this quote from her. She says, finally, you start the transition. During the transition, millions of members of the body awaken to their power to be natural Christs. Full humans in the model of the first person to manifest the next stage in the development of humanity. And she's talking about this whole Omega children concept. Again, very similar to the manifest sons of God. Constant Cumby in her 1995 book, A Planned Deception, The Staging of a New Age Messiah, uh, she talks about this guy named Reverend Ernest Ramsey. <sighs> who it also seems to be, he's a follower of Alice ba Bailey and uh, Benjamin Krem. 
not to be confused with the Benjamin cream pie. Um, sorry about that. This Reverend, <laughs> this Reverend Ernest Ramsey, uh, he talks about how he was shocked when he started walking around in these neo-Pentecostal circles. He found that New Age teachings were mixed and intermingled throughout these new or neo-Pentecostal circles, uh, otherwise known as Word of Faith, New Apostolic Reformation type people. Uh, he specifically cued in on this manifest sons of God teaching. And he concludes, while looking at these teachings, that this, in fact, is part of the New Age movement. Now, I mean, guys, I mean, are, are we not to flee the very appearance of doing evil? And here we have these, this Reverend Ernest Ramsey, and he's clearly a follow of, follower of New Age practices. He looks at this uh, word of faith movement, these neo-Pentecostals, as he calls them, neo-Pentecostalism, and he's looking at it and he's saying, this is New Age. This is New Age practices with Christian terms slapped onto them. He noticed that, uh, like New Agers, uh, who were looking for a new age, right? The age of Aquarius. These manifest sons of God were looking for a new age as well. They considered Christ an anointing. And they, again, these new apostolic reformation type people, the word of faith, they not only see Christ as God, but they also see uh, Christ as, as, as something that is separate from Jesus. All right? It is something that comes upon somebody. And so you have this concept of like this Christ consciousness that comes upon a person and empowers them. Well, that's a New Age concept. New Agers also believe that uh, there will come a time leading up to this new age where the earth will be cleansed of all evil. Well, so do the manifest sons of God. And both groups believe that they will be the ones who will cleanse the earth of this evil. Guys, this is creepy stuff. Now, again, I, I, I know these are just similarities, and I don't want to be guilty of the genetic fallacy here, but I'm just looking at this saying, wow, there really are a lot of similarities between New Age thought and the type of thinking that goes around in these manifest sons of God circles. And again, guys, these teachings are not found in the Bible. Uh, this is not one of those deals where Satan counterfeited something of God. Or you can't find these teachings in the Bible. Uh, quite the contrary, in fact. No, this isn't a satanic counterfeit. This is more like uh, Satan has his plan and he is pulling in people who uh, really don't know their Bibles. Part of this movement, Satan is enlisting people for his cause in many ways. They are willingly going along with uh, something that Satan has had planned for a long time. Uh, this earnest... Ramsey also points out something that, uh, something else that's kind of interesting. Uh, and this is where the money tie-in tie happens. Uh, New Agers are looking forward to a time where the world, the world's wealth will re, the world's wealth will be redistributed. Redistribu- <laughs> I'm having issues. 
New Agers look forward to a time where there will be a redistribution of wealth. Okay, the world's wealth will be redistributed. Uh, well, the Manifest Sons of God group, they look forward to this year of Jubilee. This time when, uh, well, the wealth of the world will be redistributed but into their hands. All right, And there's those parallels as well. I think there's some pretty wide differences in exactly how that's going to play out because according to the New Agers, the world's wealth will be redistributed equally all over the place, whereas these manifest sons of God people believe that they're going to get all the wealth. Uh, we'll see how that goes down, but I don't know. I thought I, I thought I would mention that just in passing. They're just There are New Agers out there that are looking in at this movement and saying, wow, I mean, this is exactly what we believe. But they're just slapping Christian terminology on it. It's also interesting when I was uh, following this movement, uh, there are people out there that in this Manifest Sons of God movement and, well, in the fringes, the new, the Word of Faith movement, who do look forward to this year of Jubilee, this time when all of the debt of the world will get reset. Uh, I used to listen to, oh boy, this is embarrassing. I used to listen to new, uh, True News with Rick Wiles. Uh, I, you know, you can tell he loves the Lord, but he's always saying, God told me this and God told me that. He's always prophesying on his shows. And this was actually the clincher for me. He kept prophesying and he just continues to get prophecies wrong. God told me this. God told me that. And then it turns out that God didn't tell him that. What does that make him? But anyway, uh, Rick Wiles, he's always talking about this year of Jubilee, this time of which the world's wealth will reset Okay, and all of our debts will be forgiven. Oh boy, yeah, Rick Wiles, you know, he seems like a very nice guy. You can tell he's very zealous about the Lord. Uh, but he's also really good friends with Paul Crouch. Uh, that's a friendship I would not want to boast about. Um, that's Paul Crouch of TVN, the network that has consistently put up heretics, false prophets, and false apostles uh, on its channels, on its channel for quite some time now. It is a channel that really believers shouldn't be watching. It's a mess. It's a train wreck of heresy and false teaching. Uh, but anyway, that, that's a rabbit trail in and of itself. Guys, they get this concept mainly, and, and I hate to say it, but this, this is about it. This is the crux of it. They get this idea that uh, the believers in the last days are going to get all this wealth wealth from Proverbs chapter chapter 30, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. And here it is. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Now, friends, uh, that is awesome. But I just want to say this is in the book of Proverbs. All right. It, this is a book of wisdom. Uh, the, the book of Proverbs is awesome, but it is a book of wise sayings that if you were to uh, read them, digest them, and apply them in, their, in your life, uh, well, you're, one, you're going to be shown to be a wise person because these sayings will make you uh, wise. You just, oh boy, I'm really fumbling. Let me try this again. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom, 
All right. These things are not blank promises. Okay. When you read stuff like that, it is not a blank promise. The book of Proverbs is just chocked full with amazing uh, snippets of wisdom that if you apply them in your life, you will be blessed. But again, they're not blank promises. Uh, for example, you know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Uh, guys, that is an amazing <laughs> saying. It is, it is a proverb that we should all be applying in our lives. Train up your children in the way they should go. But it's not a blank promise. If you raise your child up in the way they should go, it doesn't automatically equate to no matter what. They will suddenly lose their free will and they will not depart from the ways of the Lord when they get older. All right? It's just that this is a wise saying. It is true. And we should be training up our children in the way they should go. But that does not automatically mean they will not depart from it. Likewise, when we read this Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, um, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. That is not, first of all, it doesn't say when. It doesn't say anything about an end times wealth transfer. All right? Um, but secondly, that is not a blank promise for every believer. There are lots of believers who have died poor. All right? So, anyway... Anyway, I've been rambling on a little bit long today. I'll go ahead and stop right there. Uh, friends, if you'd like to chat about this, you can catch me on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, and my Worldview page. And with that, I love you guys, and I'll see you tomorrow.